The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to take a look at our Congress as we move forward into the new administration. The House and the Senate will be under the control of the Republican Party, as well as the presidency and the Supreme Court. And as we move forward, there's a lot of question as to the uh, the safety, the <laughs> the continuing uh, evolution, if you will, of the legal marijuana movement. Uh, there's people on both sides, some that think that a Trump administration will be beneficial, others who think that it could be detrimental. I line up in that latter camp. But as we move forward, it's important to note that we are gaining more and more support in the Congress, even from among Republicans, when it comes to some marijuana reforms. We've had the farm bill that has passed that has legalized industrial hemp production in the states that have laws uh, allowing it. We've got the uh, the Rohrabacher Amendment uh, that uh, protects the current medical marijuana states from any federal intrusion from the DOJ spending any money uh, to uh, raid them or prosecute them. It's important to note also that that uh, provision ends in April and will have to be renewed if it's to continue. We don't know if that will happen, but pushing for that to happen will be the newly formed Congressional Cannabis Caucus. This has been formed on a bipartisan basis with my representative, Earl Blumenauer, and the aforementioned Dana Rohrbacher, the conservative from Orange County, and includes many other Congress people who are uh, friendly to the marijuana issue. Jared Polis uh, from Colorado, Steve Cohen from Tennessee, uh, Maria Del Bene from Washington State and others. More Democrats than Republicans in this uh, caucus, but it's a start and it's good news for those of us that are wanting to keep the marijuana issue moving forward in our Congress. And this last May, there was an event that took place, the uh, normal D.C. Lobby Day, where the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws invited activists to fly into Washington, D.C. and join them for a day of lobbying our federal lawmakers. And speaking to us at that event were five members of this cannabis uh, caucus, uh, the ones I mentioned, including Representative Dana Rohrabacher, the congressman from Orange County, who made a startling revelation uh, that shocked his advisors and allowed me to report on a breaking news story that made the Washington Post and other national news. Rohrabacher admitting to medical marijuana use. Um, a lot of people know that I spent most of my life as a surfer. All right. Hey, dude, surf's up. Let's go, you know? <laughs> and uh, anyway, and uh, quite frankly, I never took off my puka shells, right? There they are. <laughs> okay, but... Okay, well, anyway. And I didn't forget the guys down at the beach either, so that's what some of this is all about. However, let me give you this dirty little secret about surfers. We wear out our shoulders. I haven't been able to go surfing for a year and a half, and I've been in severe pain because I spent all this time doing that, which I can barely do now, uh, and it wore all the cartilage out here, you know? So let's say about 30 years of really good surfing, and uh, now I'm in pain because I've got arthritis. Uh, yeah, it was worth it. I'll tell you, I'd do it again, okay? <laughs> 
especially if there's something we can do about it. And I went to one of these uh, uh, hip fests or something like that. They had San Bernardino or anybody who go to that. And uh, so this guy is showing me the medical things and all that. And he says, and you should try this. And it's a candle. And you light the candle and it waxes in there, it melts down. Then you rub it on you, whatever you've got problems with. And you know what? I tried it about two weeks ago. And it's the first time in two years, or the first time in a year and a half, that I had a decent night's sleep because the arthritis pain was gone. And uh, now, now don't tell anybody I broke the law. <laughs> Actually, you know, bust, they'll bust down my door. And, you know... And, uh, and, and, and take whatever is inside and use it for evidence against me, whatever it is. The bottom line is that uh, I don't know. Uh, there is a, there's definitely cannabis in there, and uh, it makes sure that I can sleep now. The criminal, the, the crime here is that we are using law enforcement dollars to prevent people from getting to that <laughs> I didn't pick that one, folks. That one was random. <laughs> but it was absolutely perfect to have Jeff Spicoli following up uh, Representative Rohrbacher admitting to his medical cannabis use. It was, uh, it was, a, I ran, literally ran out of the place with my recorder uh, to the hotel room to get this posted. We got more of the best of 2016 coming up, but first, some drug war data mining when we return. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we're referring back to that study that we uh, talked about uh, earlier this week on the effect of marijuana legalization on teen perceptions of marijuana's harm and teen use of marijuana. The big headline coming out of this one is the researchers claiming that legalization in Washington state caused kids to fear marijuana less and use marijuana more. Yet the legalization in Colorado did not have that sort of effect. The teen perceptions and use remained relatively stable. Of course, they tried to explain this away. They tried to explain it away as saying Colorado already had a vibrant uh, medical marijuana market. And so kids' attitudes had already changed, which, of course, ignores the fact that 
Washington State also had a vibrant medical marijuana market. <laughs> and as we talked about uh, on uh, yesterday's show regarding this study, the uh, uh, other states don't seem to back up these trends in any way whatsoever. Taking a look at places like California and Oregon and so forth. Well, Christopher Ingraham at the Washington Post Wonk blog has written about this, and he he frames it perfectly by explaining how study after study at the national and state level has has shown that the legalization of marijuana hasn't had much effect on kids uh, before he delves into this uh, finding, even bringing up the quote. And, and this will go down in history as one of my favorite quotes from the National Institutes of Drug Abuse. Quote, we had predicted based on the changes in legalization, culture in the U.S., as well as decreasing perceptions among teenagers that marijuana was harmful, that accessibility and use would go up, but it hasn't gone up. End quote. Love that. Love that quote. And the uh, the story brings up some of the data, shows us a couple nice graphs. So it's worth looking at if you want to get out to the Washington Post website. But in the study, Ingraham cites. Mark Kleiman from New York University used to be the UCLA public policy prof and formerly Washington State's pot czar. So they got a quote from Mark, a quote or two from Mark on this. And uh, Mark brings up something that he refers to often and was a major highlight of the the Botech uh, policy summit that they had last April. And that is, he says, quote, the effect of of the legalization initiatives themselves on price and availability of cannabis really wasn't felt until after the study's surveys were done and goes on to say that the way to make sure that teenagers uh, don't take up marijuana use is to make sure that marijuana doesn't become too cheap. He says, quote, there's reason to think that adolescents are more price sensitive than adults with respect to cannabis use. So I'd advise states that legalize to do what they can to keep prices from falling, end quote. And I just want to take a moment here to debunk that thought, this hypothesis that keeping marijuana expensive for adults, artificially expensive for adults, is going to make kids use it less. First of all, it's bad for the adults because we keep the marijuana prices high and all that does is maintain the incentive for unregulated market and illegal sales, sales uh, of products that aren't tested or inspected or labeled. So it's already bad from that perspective, keeping the price artificially high. But it's also bad from the perspective that it doesn't seem to work. Today, I took a look at the website priceofweed.com. And I entered for all 50 states in D.C. the average price of a high quality ounce of marijuana. And this is submitted from tens of thousands of marijuana smokers all across the country who turn in their price reports. I then cross reference that with the increase or decrease in monthly marijuana smoking from 2009 to 2015, because this uh, study was from that period, right, saying that before 2012, there was X, and then after 2012, there was Y. So we're going to include the same data range. And I found no correlation whatsoever. We take a look at the state, North Dakota, that had the greatest rise in teen marijuana use, went up 41% over that span from 2009 to 2015. Their price of marijuana per ounce is $388.84, one of the top 10 highest prices in the nation. 
Meanwhile, we've got the state of Utah, or the state of, I'm sorry, state of Idaho. Idaho's marijuana use among teenagers went down 14.5%. And yet their price of marijuana is one of the top 10 lowest prices of marijuana in the nation, $275 per ounce. As we look through some of the rest of them, you find similar results, where in Maryland, pot use among teenagers went up 30%, yet the price of their weed is $364 an ounce. The average for the United States, by the way, is $320. So they're above average, and yet their prices, their use went up 30%. We have a 21% rise in the state of Indiana. Price of their weed, $333. 17% rise in Kentucky. Price of their weed, $343. South Dakota, 16% increase, $357 an ounce. We find places where the youth use went down. Oklahoma, it went down the most. Went down 24%. And yet the price of their weed is $350 per ounce. That would seem to corroborate the idea that the high price makes the weed use go down. But then we see another state with $350 an ounce prices, like a Wisconsin, and their weed use went up almost 11%. Went up almost 11% in Tennessee with the same $350 ounce. So it does not seem to me that the price of weed has much correlation whatsoever to whether or not kids are using it. I'll get this data published a little later today on WeedNews.co. Check it out when we come back. Dr. Carl Hart. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. <laughs> 